Hey guys, it's Nicole listening to Ethel Kane. I'm editing right now, and my intro from before was so cringy, so I'm saving you guys. Welcome to It's Not a Phase Mom. I'm your host, Nicole Gibson. Let's get right into it. Today, we are going to be talking about my current hyperfixation, and that is Ethel Kane. So, if you have not heard of Ethel Kane, she is a singer, songwriter, producer, amazing person, and I discovered her recently. I actually have no idea when I found Ethel Kane. It was maybe last summer I was like listening to her, a couple of her songs, and I just really liked the vibe. I was listening to Gibson Girl on her Preacher's Daughter album. I will be talking about. I was listening to Gibson Girl because I was like, oh my God, vibes. But then I realized what the meaning was and I was absolutely traumatized, which we'll get into that. <laughs> I didn't know the meaning. I really never got to the lore of the album. I really only had that one song. At the beginning of December last year, I really started getting into the Preacher's Daughter album. I figured out that it was this concept album, which is like, it was its own story. And I really liked that. And so I remember I spent hours and hours on TikTok just watching what the lore was, like the story. And it was absolutely life-changing and I could talk about it for hours. First, I'm gonna give you guys a trigger warning. There are some dark themes in her album, Preacher's Daughter. So some of the themes include sexual violence, drug use, religious trauma, and violence. So just viewer discretion is advised going forward. All right, so now we're just gonna get into the artist herself, which her actual name is Hayden Silas Antidonia. She goes by the name Ethel Kane professionally. That's also the character from the Preacher's Daughter album. So Hayden was raised in Perry, Florida, and she's the oldest of four kids. And she's from the Southern Baptist family, which is really important to this whole aesthetic she's got going on. So her father was a deacon. That's the same in Ethel's story. Hayden's first exposure to music was at the church choir at a very young age. I know a lot of professional artists who their first exposure to music was from the church. Hayden came out as gay at the age of 12. And then after that, she came out as a transgender woman at the age of 20. Currently, she identifies as bi and she is diagnosed as autistic. Her identity is really important to her, which is why she's spoken about it and which is why I'm telling you guys. So she does have a couple EPs, which are Inbred, Carpet Bed EP, and Golden Age. Preacher's Daughter is her first album, and it was released through actually her own record label, which I think is so cool. And her record label is called Daughters of Cain, and I really love that. All right, I'm going to start like really getting to Preacher's Daughter because this album is amazing. So first, I just want to go into it by saying how it is a concept album. This is basically like a made up story. Ethel Kane stated in an interview done by Billboard, this is a quote directly from her. It says, Ethel Kane is my kind of dark evil twin. She's not evil per se, but we both have been through similar situations. If I didn't choose to heal and forgive and forget, I would be ultimately destroyed, which is what happens to her. She is the mirrored version of what my life would be like if I did not choose to get better. End quote. I think that is so cool. Just this what if storyline, which is something that is really interesting to me that she came up with this and this whole thing on her own life. I just think that's so cool. It opens with the song Family Tree intro. At the very beginning of the song, there is a crazy, like creepy ass recording of a Southern preacher. There's a lot of theories on what this recording is. I've heard it's from her grandmother's funeral. 
It may be just a random recording, but it's like very eerie. It's in the background. It's foreshadowing this epic religion theme. There's also opening themes of family trauma. So some of the lines are, Jesus can always reject his father, but he can't escape his mother's blood. So this line is almost as if Ethel's expressing how she's going to always be tied to her family bloodline. So that's the first song. I really enjoy that song. It's really good. And that leads us into her next song called American Teenager. And this is honestly the most upbeat song of the album. It's really fun, really lit. It just kind of sets the scene of the album. And the scene is in Shady Grove, Alabama. So the death of her father really affected her town because in this story, her father is also a preacher. So she just has a lot of that pressure, I guess, to kind of hold his legacy and, you know, represent what he did. So after American Teenager is the song A House in Nebraska. Let me tell you guys, this song, I can picture the house in Nebraska. If you kind of like just Google Ethel Kane aesthetic, it's literally just Southern Baptist, the wood panel walls. And that was my grandma's house. And she lived in a house in the middle of the country in Nebraska. And when I think of the song, I just remember it. And it's just so crazy how a lot of people just connect with Ethel just from the experiences of the whole vibes, I guess, of the house and like the small town, the Southern Baptist, all of that. I just think that's so cool. And so this song almost connects with me on a different level than most just because I know what she's talking about. And so Ethel actually said that this is her favorite song that she's ever written, which has Nebraska sleigh, okay? So this song is kind of the star of the story. Um, this song is about her ex-lover named Willoughby Tucker. It's just basically in the past, they were in love. They shared really good times and really good memories. And it's kind of just her longing for him, missing him. The house in Nebraska is actually an abandoned house that they would just pretend to live in on their own. It was far from their hometown, which is um, in Shady Grove. So I just think that's really sweet. It's just a nice meaning and really personally connecting to me. So following a house in Nebraska, we have Western Nights, which this is where we resume to present day. So Ethel has a new boyfriend, Logan Phelps, and this song is kind of describing how he's very abusive, but Ethel still loves him despite this. So there's a lot of lyrical hints towards this idea that he's very abusive. And so that's just kind of the theme of the song is how she loves him despite the fact that he hurts her. And then after Western Nights is Family Tree. Now we already had Family Tree intro, but now this is just Family Tree. Basically during the song, Logan dies after a police shooting. He and Ethel go and rob a bank together. And as they're escaping, the police shoot Logan and ultimately kill him. But Ethel escapes and she runs from the police. There's also hints about some disturbing family secret. We don't really know what that is, but she does talk about that a little. Basically at the end of the song, it's just Ethel is running away. She did something bad. She robbed a bank with her boyfriend. Boyfriend's dead. So many things are going through her head right now. Then that brings us into hard times. So some background is Ethel actually had a difficult time writing the song because of the complex emotions it conveys. She actually scrapped it over a hundred versions I believe. And then she literally started writing the song a week before the album was due. And so this song is very important to 
really look into and read and just like understand the meaning because Ethel had a very hard time writing the song. So it's kind of closing out act one, as we would say. And it's really just Ethel talking about her father's abuse of her as a child. So when she was a child, her father did sexually abuse her. And then he passed away when she was 10. One of the lines in the song says, nine going on 18. And I believe this infers that Ethel was just forced to grow up really quickly, which is really sad. And she just talks about how hard it was for her as a child to kind of live in that household with her father. And then after this song, we move on to Thoroughfare, which is probably my second favorite song in the album. I just love the vibes. It's lit. Um, <laughs> so this is just Ethel running away, like from the robbery. She knows she can never go back because she's scared of her father's tarnished reputation. But she meets this boy along the way named Isaiah, boy number three, as I like to call him. <laughs> so Isaiah offers her a ride to California, kind of just for fun. He's just like, I'm going out west. Do you want to come? That's like basically what the course is. Then she's like, sure, why not? Like I'm on the run, I have nowhere to go. On this little road trip they have together, they're like low-key crushing on each other and they end up falling in love. In the song, it says small town diners and nights in motel rooms, which is what I think is just them enjoying this little life of theirs on the way to California. So in the song, Ethel really just feels like this is the first time since childhood that she has been with a man who's not angry at her or not trying to be hurtful towards her. So it's just kind of more hopeful vibes from Ethel in this song. And so after this song, it leads us into the song Gibson Girl, in which I was talking about earlier. So just some background, this is actually the lead single of the album. So I think she released this before all the other songs. Gibson Girl refers to Charles Dana Gibson, which was an American illustrator. He created this illustration or this character called the Gibson Girl. And basically she was the beauty and societal standard of a woman in the 1920s. So she had like the big bust, big hips, you know, the cute little updo. So Charles published lots of illustrations in Life magazine, as well as other publications. Actually, reading about this was really interesting. I almost considered making a whole other like episode talking about the Gibson girl and just the story behind it and just what society wanted from women in that era because we deal with that so much in our society currently. I wonder what it was like a hundred years ago. Anyways, I'll get into that later, I guess. But one thing that really stood out to me was the Gibson girl was supposed to be sexually dominant. And so I have this quote from an interview done by The Fader by Ethel that I'm going to actually share with you really quick. Over the, over the years, I've, I've kind of realized I always thought that I was just very, like, dominant, in charge and whatnot, like, you know, in sexual situations with men. And I'm so, like, dominant and, like, forward and whatnot. And then I realized I was like, I've never been dominant I've only ever been forward and dominant because I'm like, I would rather feel like it's something I'm giving up than have it feel like it's something being taken from me. So I've always had this vision of being like this, this Gibson girl, this extreme perfect vision of beauty with her hair done up and her waist cinched and her face perfectly flushed. And she just bats her eyes the right way and she drapes over that couch the right way. And, you know, she's just perfect. When in reality, 
they're still getting what they want and I'm still sitting there completely alone and empty at the end of the day. And I just kind of wanted that to translate into the story and her being used by these men and her trying to establish some even false semblance of like control in this scenario. Okay, so that quote by Ethel is just kind of a lot since I really haven't explained the meaning of this song yet or the part in the story. So at this point in the story, it does kind of take a turn. Isaiah does begin to pimp her out behind strip clubs and he gets her addicted to drugs. So he can just have this control of her. And this is going to cause Ethel to lose her sense of reality. And it's just making it really, really difficult for her to get out of this situation. And then from that, we go into the song Ptolemyo. This song literally sent me into a spiral. So Ptolemy is one of the four rings in the ninth circle of hell. Uh, let me tell you, I spent hours reading about the circles of hell in Dante's Inferno. The fourth ring in the ninth circle of hell, or Ptolemy, is for those who betray their guests. So Ethel just feels as if she betrayed her family line. Another quote from that billboard interview by her is, I was immediately like, this is how it feels. When someone invites you in, brings you into their life just to hurt you. I was scared of the demo the next day when I listened to it, end quote. I can't believe that like Ethel herself was scared of the demo because I'm not even joking. This is, in my opinion, the scariest track of the album. I was terrified. There is a deafening scream in the middle of the song by Ethel and it's just crazy. Basically this song is just Ethel under the influence of so many drugs because of Isaiah and she's just hallucinating and eventually just confronts the darkness around her which leads into this eerie terrifying voice at the end of the song. It's almost like she's meeting this fate and it's telling her these things and she just is confronting it and being like you know, there's no going back. So then after this um, is the song August Underground. So this title is actually a reference to the 2001 horror film by the same name. I don't know much about it, but that's just what it is referred to. So this song is where Ethel dies, unfortunately. She dies in an attic of an abandoned shack where Isaiah has been keeping her. And it's just kind of her experiencing death, I guess. This is where kind of Ethel's story ends, which is really unfortunate. But it does lead us into the next song, Televangelism, which Ethel states is her favorite song on the album. This song is really just Ethel's ascension into heaven. There is actually a theory that it's basically just what's going on in her head during August Underground. So August Underground is her physically dying and televangelism is what's happening to her and her soul, what's happening in her head, her ascension. So I think that's pretty cool. You get kind of two different perspectives, but that is a theory. I'm not sure if Ethel intended to make it like that. But then after televangelism comes the song Sun Bleached Flies, which this is a very popular song on the album. I know a lot of people who like this song. The song is very sad. It, it's just Ethel really, she's making peace with her death and she remembers Willoughby. I wrote in my notes, hashtag sad, because it is. She's just, she yearns for that house in Nebraska. And the song is really just a reflection on her life. And it's just really beautiful and sad at the same time. And then finally, the last track on the album is called Strangers. And this is my favorite song 
it just flows so perfectly. I I was putting my notes. I literally played the song on repeat, which is crazy because when I get into the meeting, you guys are going to be concerned for me. This song is about Ethel's ultimate end where Isaiah cannibalizes her. I know, plot twist. That's insane. When I heard this for the first time, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is absolutely insane. I did not expect that. So it opens with the line, in your basement, I grow cold, which is like kind of funny to me because she's in a freezer, basically. And then she says, you devour like smoked bovine hide. How funny, I never considered myself tough. That's just another like little play on words. She never considered herself like this tough, like human being. But as Isaiah's like literally eating her, <laughs> she's literally tough. And then in the chorus, there's the line, if I'm turning in your stomach and I'm making you feel sick. So some people say this is kind of like Ethel almost joking because the phrase is like turning in your grave, but Ethel didn't have a grave. She's in Isaiah's stomach. So she's talking about turning in his stomach and making him feel sick. Another thing from the song Strangers is just at the very end, it's kind of Ethel. She's singing her last goodbye to her mother, telling her that they're going to meet again soon, which is really sweet. And I love that. I'm going to get into a couple theories now because there's a lot of theories going on with this concept album. And there's a lot going on with the life and death of Ethel Kane. And people are just so creative. And I love that. One of the theories actually is that there is another Circle of Hell reference by Kane from Kane and Abel, which is one of the first rings, I believe. But that one was kind of silly. And then another one that was insane was Ethel killed her father or at least started the fire that killed him. So I forgot to mention this, I guess, but Ethel's father, Joseph, did die in a fire. And a lot of people think Ethel was the one that started it, which is why she feels so guilty. And there's some lyrical little hints that may lead to this little secret. Um which we might look more into. Honestly, like if you look more into it, it, it kind of adds up. This is on my theory list, but I believe it's confirmed. Ethel Kane is supposedly making books and films that will go with the album, but she's also releasing two more called Preacher's Mother and Preacher's Wife. So with the theory about killing her dad, a lot of people think that this is gonna be more exposed in Preacher's Wife, which is pretty cool. I hope that's kind of a plotline we get to see in the next album. So I'm really excited about these books and films that she's planning on. The book is, I believe it's called Diary of a Preacher's Daughter, which is basically the story of Ethel Kane in The Preacher's Daughter. Maybe it might provide some more background of Ethel's story, some more internal dialogue, which would be really cool. But I'm not sure when that's coming out, but I am so excited and I will be snatching that when it does come out. Yeah, that's kind of just Ethel Kane in Preacher's Daughter. I'm just going to talk about a little why this impacted me so much and why I love this. So one thing is that I put on here, literally so terrifying. I was scared for like a week, which guys, this is actually so true. I slept with the lights on because on her YouTube, she has some spooky videos, but that is her aesthetic. And I honestly applaud her for that. Ethel Kane is terrifying to me. But I love her. She's like my sleep paralysis emotional support demon. You know what I mean? I love her and I'm scared of her at the same time. <laughs> Another thing is it's kind of a different view of religion that a lot of people can appreciate. So 
a lot of people who left the church or have religious trauma, this is something they can really connect to, especially with just the whole story, the whole being connected to your family and the themes throughout the album. I just think that's really cool. The gospel music, oh my gosh, I could not get tired of this. It's so amazing, like just the music, which is why I love Strangers, okay? That's why I love Strangers, not the cannibalism, the music. And another thing is that I just love how this album is a whole story. It's more than just music, like I just said. The lore is absolutely amazing and I need more albums like this. The Southern Baptist aesthetic, again, it's so niche, but it's something that is so nostalgic for me. Personally, it's just insanely eerie, but it's so beautiful at the same time. Go look up Southern Baptist aesthetic right now. I'm not even joking. Okay, so one thing I actually wrote down, like these are my thoughts. I slayed on this because I wrote down, this album is the literal definition of art that comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. How insane is that? You have two different, very different people. I'm not even going to describe how they're different. You're going to make them both listen to Ptolemaia and you're going to get oh, wow, this is kind of lit. I can get on this. And oh my God, this is terrifying. I don't like this. Turn it off. Insane how she gave that example so literally. And I love that for her. The last thing I would like to wrap this little list up with was um, Ethel's voice is so comforting and it feels like a blanket that I could wrap myself in and take a long nap on a rainy day. Whether she's talking in an interview or she's singing to me. I will hire her to sing during my naps. But that about wraps up this episode. I'm really excited about this podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed this first episode. I'm like trying my best learning the ropes of podcasting. So yeah, I'm actually getting started on next week's episode. So stay tuned. It's actually going to be so lit. Like you guys aren't even ready, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, giving your time. I really appreciate all of you. But yeah, I hope you guys have an amazing Friday night or whatever night you're listening on or morning or afternoon. I, I'm I'm just so glad you're listening and I hope you have an amazing day. Anyways, I love Ethel Kane. Bye.